1: Hello and welcome to another Arse blog Arscast, right here on arseblog.oleole.com. In a week in which Arsenal crashed out of the Champions League at home to Manchester United, I'll be chatting with Philippe Eau Claire from France Football in-depth, feature-length, you might say, about the Champions League games, the consequences of the defeat... Another trophyless season. What will Arsene Wenger be thinking? Philippe knows Arsene very well, uh, so we will get some insight from him in just a few moments' time. As well as that, I think we've got a buoy in there, and that's about it. Oh, we might just have a chat about Nicholas Bentner and his pants, uh, and that's about it. But there's plenty to uh, be going on with. You see, um, yeah, football. Since the last Ars cast, well, we had uh, a game against Portsmouth, which was the warm-up game for the for the big game on Tuesday. Uh, The Champions League, obviously, against Manchester United. 3-0 win. Can't really complain, can you? We had uh, two goals from Nicholas Bentner uh, and a goal from Carlos Vela. Stroll in the the sunshine, really, down on the south coast. Um, And there really isn't an awful lot more you can say about that game, other than it assured us of a place in the top four this season. The top three is still mathematically possible. And uh, maybe after Chelsea's defeat to uh, Barcelona in the Champions League, they might be slightly crushed. And broken men. I hope so. Uh, uh, So if we win, we could get within three points of them. You never know what might happen from there. But uh, the main thing is that we're going to finish top four. Uh, So uh, Champions League football, uh, at least in the qualification uh, round, is uh, assured for next season. I think that uh, we can all be very happy with, considering where we were uh, not a few short weeks ago. Um, Then, of course, there was Tuesday and the Champions League game against Manchester United uh, and so much hope and optimism and and maybe it was misplaced a bit. I mean w- we beat Manchester United earlier in the season and you know on any day any team can beat any other team really. Uh you can't legislate for the two mistakes which put the tie out of reach. At 2-0 down after 11 minutes it's all over basically. Uh, and I think everyone knew that. The players knew it, the manager knew it, the fans certainly knew it, and it was a shame because uh, the atmosphere looked fantastic and the Grove was rocking with the flags and it it all looked brilliant. Kieran Gibbs distraught, uh, and who can blame him, but you can't apportion any blame. He just slipped and it's happened to countless players, Uh, so no finger pointing there. Uh, Almunia, who kept us in the first leg, let's not forget, and made, I think at least... Two really good saves in the in the second leg, um, with a mistake for the goal. I thought it was uh, poor goalkeeping, but these things happen. These things happen. I think even without those two uh, mistakes, Manchester United over the course of the two legs showed that they're uh, a very very good team. They're a better team than we are. Uh, the hardest part I think is that they work harder than us and they wanted it more than us. And they're the defending European champions. There's no sort of resting on their laurels. We're looking to get to a final for only the second time. We've never won this competition. And, you know, there there was a difference. They wanted it more. They ran harder. They worked harder. Rooney back in the left-back position time and time and time again. So um, that's that was disappointing. I mean, a bad performance is a bad performance. And over the two legs, I don't think we uh, we really troubled United once. One, one shot from Van Persie, I think it was. So uh, it was disappointing, very disappointing. But maybe a semi-final uh, with this group of players is about the best we can hope for, to be honest. I think, you know, that's something that was mentioned on the blog during the week, that given the group of players that we have and um, some of the uh, injuries that we, uh, we've suffered, obviously I think we missed Gallus at the back and clichy at the back a bit as well. Uh, I think uh, the semi-final was realistically uh, as far as we could have hoped to go. So, uh, it all was a bit disappointing, but not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not gutting it, it to me. The, the, uh, the, the game against Chelsea, the quarterfinal against Chelsea when Wayne bridge scored to me, that was much more painful than, than, uh, the way we went out against Manchester United, even though there are obviously questions, uh, raised by the performance of the team and the performance of some of the uh, individuals in the team. And I think it's uh, possibly a watershed moment because I think Arsene Wenger, uh, for all the faith that he has in these players and in this squad and in some of the uh, the young guys, he'll have looked at that and he'll have looked at Manchester United and thought, oh, yeah, I've got to do something about this. Even if you take into account young players will be a little bit better next season, they'll improve, they'll be a bit more experienced. That isn't going to be enough to catch uh, Manchester United, I don't think. Uh, thankfully, it's not a repeat of last year's Confest of a final uh, between Manchester United and Chelsea, even though it provided one of the standout comedy moments uh, of football since all time. It will go down in history as one of the funniest things of all time. It was so funny that it made me not care that Manchester United won the Champions League. John Terry, of course, missing the penalty and then crying it is just still, to this day, Absolutely hilarious. So the chances of that kind of hilarity being repeated um, if they were to have played each other again, I think were very slim. And it would have been much more cunty and and awful. So I'm glad that it's Manchester United versus Barcelona. And whatever you might think about Barcelona, I want them to win the final. Because they play absolutely beautiful football. Um, And uh, yeah, it could be be a great game. And of course, they're not Manchester United who are cunts. So there you go. Um, We've got three games left in the season, starting with Chelsea on Sunday. We'll come to that a little bit later on in the show. But for now, uh, I'm pleased to welcome from France football, Philippe Eau Claire. Hi, Philippe. Hello. Uh, The Champions League game against Manchester United, uh, we were unlucky uh, in the first uh, 11 minutes of the game, Gibbs slip and a mistake from Almunia. But I think overall it would be difficult to argue uh, against the fact that, that Manchester United, over the two legs, deserved to go through. How do you think um, that defeat is going to sit with Arsene Wenger? And how will he have looked at uh, the way the teams played each other? And, and what, to me, is a fairly obvious gulf in, in quality between them?
2: I think the gulf in quality is um, fairly obvious in his mind as well. Um, He looked extraordinarily uh, tired and and, and depressed, should I say, um, in the press conference which followed the game. Uh, Obviously, part of it was due to disappointment. He felt that no real game had taken place. Uh, It was a very odd evening. I mean, um, obviously, for for about seven or eight minutes, Arsenal actually looked as if they they were in control of the game. The shape of the team was good. Uh, The energy levels were good. Uh, there was good movement, and, and, and Manchester United seemed to have decided to sit back and um, weather the storm, and, and, and basically defend their advantage. And, and then, of course, uh, Paul Gibbs slipped up, and, and you know the rest. Um, and I think that the disappointment of not of there not having been a game at all um, was was something that obviously. Uh, Pray not, pray not our mind, But on the other hand, he was already projecting himself in the future and saying almost as if the season was over, I need to take stock of that and realize what went wrong and, and, and analyze what went wrong and take decisions. Uh, he wouldn't be drawn onto anything else, but it was pretty obvious that it had been a real shock to the system um, as far as he was concerned. There's absolutely no doubt that Manchester United uh, were by far the better team. I mean, the difference in class was actually quite embarrassing. I think Stoke gave Manchester United uh, a better game when, uh, when United won there uh, in the autumn. That's saying something. Mm. And um, as far as Arsenal is concerned, I think it is time for him, and he's realised that, to have um, a serious rethink of, of many of the, of the tenets of his philosophy as, as, at at Arsenal Football Club. Uh, it's not just the manner of um, the defeat; um, it's also the um, the fact that some of his players failed to turn up yet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the fact that the areas in which he's been told he should uh, do some work and and uh, maybe uh, get uh, get some help are precisely the areas which uh, are caused that um, defeat, almost humiliating, almost humiliation. I, I, he was really so down. He was so depressed about it. I, I've rarely seen him in, in such a bad, in such a bad mood and, and such a bad state. It's a bad mood, actually, not bad mood, but bad state. Sure. Um, even you know, even even the sixth one at um, at Old Trafford um, was something that was much easier for him to take than that. The biggest night in the club's um, history for a long, long time. Certainly, the biggest tie since the 2004 quarter final. Against Chelsea, which I'm sure you remember mm-hmm. and um and there was nobody there basically sure. there was no team and um it, it really uh is it, something that he, I, I think he's going to take stock of that, and he's going to take some pretty big decisions in the summer. Mm,
1: it's interesting. Um, Sorry, Philippe. It's interesting, like you say. He said in the press conference that he needed some distance from this season and and to take stock and look at at certain things. But we know Arsene is is quite a stubborn man, and and you've you've mentioned that before that he is. Um, or has been quite dedicated to doing things his way and, and his project. But uh, do you think it's not so much the straw that broke the camel's back, but uh, he is maybe looking at Arshav shaving coming in and seeing what an impact he's made, the experience and yes. the quality that he's brought to the side. And he's looking, and he's obviously got great faith in a lot of these young players. And he's looking now maybe and thinking, okay, well, uh, I've got to augment that with, more experience and more quality if we want to have a chance of winning the Champions League, which he so clearly does.
2: Yes, I mean, I think that's clear. I think that he probably will um, reflect on the fact that uh, Arsenal were very close to, for example, um, to acquire Xabi Alonso uh, in August of 2008. And I think anybody who's seen Arsenal this season knows what a player like Xabi Alonso would have brought to that team. Uh, it wasn't the case. I, I remember I was talking to Arsene actually um, just uh, a few weeks ago, and, and he said in his defense when uh, he was asked, we, we asked the question, um, you know, why wasn't there a Gareth Barry or a Javier Alonso coming in the summer when everybody was screaming out for a defensive midfielder who was also uh, somebody who could pass the ball and, and, and fit in the Arsenal style of play. And he said if you do that, you kill... Young players like Song and De Nilson and others, whom he thinks have got a great future and whom he thinks have got tremendous potential and can become uh, players as as good and as influential as Xabi Alonso or, or Gareth Barry, but I think that maybe that is one of the things he going to think about, um, and and and, and maybe come to the same conclusion as many other people have before him, is that his project is admirable in many many ways but there is no doubt that uh, the limits of it have been found and that you can only go so far by being, you know, Arsenal are definitely one of the top 10 European teams. They've proved it in the Champions League year in, year out. They're always there. They're extraordinarily consistent uh, despite the you know, terrible injury problems and, and, and the financial restraints or constraints sorry, that that uh, Arsenal has got. But obviously there are means... To, to go beyond that, and people are feeling frustration, and I think Arsène is starting to feel the frustration himself, and I think that's that's the big difference. Is that until then, uh, four weeks ago, uh, you remember, Andrew? You know, when when he talked before the, the the return leg, how confident Arsène was. Mm. Uh, yeah. it, it it was extraordinary. It was as, as if he were saying we're going to go through, we're going to win, and we're going to go to Rome, and we're going to win the European Cup, and that will be it. You know? And I, I believe it, and I believe it, and I believe it. And he really believed it. And, and he, he told me, I, I think, you know, it's probably one of the seasons that I'm the proudest of because of the problems we had, the terrible start we had, and the way we overcame what, uh, the obstacles that came our way. And that is, to be honest, true to an extent. But the limits of, of the project have been have been have been exposed, mm. and the other thing, which of course is is of great interest, is that the situation at the at the club has evolved an awful lot over the past few months. Um, the situation uh, with Stan Kronka, uh, the nomination of Ivan Gazidis, uh, the fact that uh, Ivan Gazidis has also uh, brought with him now recruited uh, a proper executive cell. <laughs> Um, and then the fact that the club is going to be run like a proper company now, all this is going to change a lot. uh, Our friends' involvement in the club is going to be able to stand back a little bit from that side of things maybe and to concentrate on uh, how to build a team from what he's got. Now, what I'm, I'm a little bit worried about is the impact this defeat will have on the players who are there. And it also made me think again about the crazy choice not to go for the FA Cup, and I'm just thinking, you have now a season that is dead, absolutely dead. You are facing a Chelsea team on Sunday, um, which has been wounded um, in a way that is unthinkable um, by Barcelona last night. Then you're playing Manchester United who play for the title. And I'm actually a little bit worried about the end of the season, I have to say.
1: I was gonna ask you about that. I mean, because there are three games left. Mathematically it is still possible to finish in, in third position. Is he going to be able to get these players uh motivated for those three games when he obviously had a problem motivating certain players and I think everybody knows who we're talking about when we say that for, for the two Champions League semifinal games. I mean, if you can, if you've got players who aren't up for Champions League semifinal against Manchester United uh, for a place in the final, what hope do you have in what are essentially, you know, dead games, even though there is the, the, the outside hope of something to play for?
2: I would imagine that the teams that are going to, uh, the, which is going to face uh, Chelsea and Manchester United, will bear more than uh, a passing resemblance to the team that won the Premier in Portsmouth. Honestly, um, I would imagine it's going to rotate the team a great deal. I think Chelsea is probably going to do the the same thing for for very different reasons, um, and that maybe that will be one of the ways to uh, prevent uh, the team from going into I wouldn't say 3-4, but uh, from from getting some very very poor results indeed against uh, against Chelsea Manchester United. You can also take an optimist, optimistic point of view on that and say that Chelsea will be absolutely, um, well they, they they will they will be dead. Um, uh, we talked to uh, John Terry last night in Mixon at Stamford Bridge and it's pretty obvious that the game at at Arsenal meant absolutely nothing for him uh, at this stage. That they, they they were so distraught with what happened that. Well, they were there for the taking, in a way, and that Gershynink, as well, might use a lot of turnover, thinking, well, we've still got the trophy to go for. And, um, on the other hand, Manchester United uh, might be in a situation where they could clinch the title, uh, playing against Arsenal at Old Trafford. And, judging by the way they're playing at the moment, it's not a very nice prospect for an Arsenal <laughs> fan, to think of that game, is it? No, not really. Um, So uh, it's uh, all of this because of of, um, three minutes of of madness, uh, a slip and and a free kick. Um, Well, uh, if we're talking just about the the, the incidents which had a direct um, uh, incident on on the game itself. um, I I am a little bit worried. I am worried as well uh, when you're thinking about the shape that the team is going to take uh, for next season. Because there are players whom we know um are probably thinking about their future at the moment. We know that Theo Walcott and, and Robinson Percy, uh their contract expires in two thousand and ten. Yet again the situation has been allowed to uh to occur when it would never occur in any other big club that I can think of. And that's one thing I really don't understand. It's one one of the reasons why it's so important to have a proper chief executive in place who can actually do this job, because can you think of, of another of the big four clubs in England, or, uh, or Real, or Barcelona, or Bayern, or, or whoever, you know in, in the big leagues, having two of their so-called major players being one year away from being free agents?
1: Is that not that down to the that players? I,
2: happened so many times.
1: Yeah, but is it down to the players as well a bit, though? Because, uh, well, it we, sounds we seem depends to have...
2: a bit, but you, you, can, you can, I wouldn't say force the issue, but it's remarkable if you compare, for example, of course they're in a much easier situation financially and in terms mm-hmm. of success on the pitch. If you compare... To that, to the way that Manchester United go about their business when it comes to uh, extending their players' contracts, you never hear such things. Never, ever hear such things. Um, neither do you, uh, it, 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 well, at Chelsea, for example, there have been problems with, with lampard and Drogba and players like that uh, for, for completely different reasons because of, of the, the way the club wasn't settled. Mm. Um, but they've always been resolved in a positive way for the clubs. Uh, in a, in, in, in Arsenal's case, it seemed that time and time again, we arrive at a situation where we've got players who are either free agents or one year away from being free agents. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, there, there was the case with Major Flamini, Alexander Kleb um, There was, and actually was very close to, close to um, uh, invoke the clause that would uh, enable him to, uh, to actually uh, buy back his contract and so forth. This doesn't happen anywhere else. And that is a problem. And you've got two players, Van Persie and Walcott, uh, who are in the situation. You've also got the situation of Emmanuel de Bayo, which we could go into, or not. We can can go into it. There's the situation of Chess Fabregas. I have to say that for the first time, um, I I actually feel that there is something which is not right at all. Uh, Maybe it's the body language of Chess Fabregas. I think the player has changed. I think his attitude has changed a little bit. He's not quite the player I saw um, last season. And I think with quite good reason. He's been at the club for a very long time. He's been very loyal to the club. He's been an admirable servant for the club. And he's probably asking himself some pretty big questions. And we all know that there is somebody called Florentino Perez arriving uh, at Real in June who will win the presidency, will have an awful lot of money to spend, and who is desperately looking to rebuild the team almost from scratch, and who has, as far as his person is concerned, a couple of players, in the defensive midfielder role that he's looking at, and uh, who well, are basically Xabi Alonso and Jess Fabregas, mm. we know that. But and is... I'm wondering if that year it might not be a very different scenario from what what happened before beforehand, mm. despite what Chess is saying, and which is I, I'm sure Jes is, is sincere uh, in his desire to 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 stay with the club and and build something up, but uh, you know, there's one point where you must ask, ask himself questions. Yeah, is it, uh, is, if I, sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of a, of another case, of a player who was absolutely central, totally devoted to his club, and, and I'm talking not about an Arsenal player, I'm talking about Eric Cantona and Manchester United. Uh, not many people might know this. One of the major reasons why Eric Cantona left Manchester United and retired, he didn't go anywhere else, was the fact that he had been waiting and waiting and waiting for the club to sign players who would, who would enable Manchester United to challenge for a European title, it had been promised this year after year after year. It never happened, and as a result, it was one of the major factors behind the decision uh, for for retiring. Uh, I'm not saying Sir so Fabregas is going to retire. What I'm saying is that you must ask himself, Well, I can't carry on like this. You know, I've seen my two two of my best mates. Alexander Leib and Mathieu Fernie leave the club. Uh, I haven't seen them replaced, really. Um, What is going on? Uh, And and you're bound to ask yourself questions. You're bound to ask questions about your future when you're considered by everybody as one of the top players in the game.
1: And this is obviously now... uh... The danger, I suppose, of of the project that that Wenger has, that you can't keep replacing experience with youth, then the youth becomes experience. In the case of Flamini, for example, and is then allowed to leave. So, I mean, those sort of uh, those sort of uh, feelings are, are understandable if Cesk is having that uh, those kind of thoughts. But uh, it's down to the manager now to to try and fix this in the summer by bringing in the kind of players who can make us competitive and win trophies. Because at the bo- at the bottom line of it is that we are now going into our fifth season without
2: a trophy correct and the question everybody must be asking themselves is is the money there to do so mm. Um and the the signals are, are very contradictory on one hand for a long time the board has been saying yes there is money there is money and we've had all these figures 60, seventy seventeen pound I and mean, huge figures being quoted but to be honest uh, i don't think this has ever been the case and the other thing is that uh, Arsenal actually um, uh, spent rather a lot of money in January um, bringing in Andrea Arshavin, probably the best buy the club has done for a very, very long time. Everybody agrees on that, but still, it was a huge chunk of money. And how much is left in the kitty uh, for the summer transfer market, I don't know. And it's hard to imagine that the kind of rebuilding that many fans are thinking of, where you bring in experienced players who are going to cost a lot of money, not just in a, uh, in transfer fees, but also in salaries, uh, this money will have to be found somewhere, and probably through the sale, the sale of, of, of a couple of players. And I think that Arsene must be thinking about that a great deal at the moment. And I think that um, one, obviously, one player that everybody's asking themselves um, question about is uh, Emmanuel Delaio.
1: And what do you think? I mean, the the, the quotes that have come oh, out wow. this week uh, about Milan about. <coughs>
0: one gift that never gets returned trick question it's three gifts beer wine and spirits and with drizzly you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits. Then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy.
1: He's always talking to milan and then there's the staged managed uh stage managed uh, sort of story on Arsenal. dot com about how he wants to give everything back to Arsenal and how he's going to give hundred and fifty percent to win i mean if he was going if he's going to give hundred and fifty percent next season to win trophies what that what's wrong with this season why couldn't he start well, in the champions league semifinals you know uh his behavior is is out of order isn't it
2: well, I, I, you know, I'm not in a position to say this sort of thing because I, 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 what I would say is that his season has been extraordinarily disappointing. Uh, I know he's had a few physical problems and that obviously you can't suddenly find your form just like that, snapping your fingers and going back to being uh, uh, what I, I wouldn't call a world-class striker, which is the way he describes himself, which I think is uh, slightly <laughs> presumptuous, really. Yeah, so. um, but let's not get into that. Uh, but his attitude to anybody who's been um, to the Emirates and uh, every home game which I've done and seen them on the road quite a few times has been very questionable in terms of uh, the effort is produced on the pitch and uh, also the the quality doesn't seem to have improved much. There was one point last season where you thought actually technically he was improving quite a lot, his first touch in particular, which was rather heavy to start with, he was starting to get there, and there was a great deal of desire. He was chasing back, he was closing down, he was doing a lot of of defensive work up front, which is absolutely crucial when you're a, a lone uh, striker. If you look at at, at Drogba, regardless, of what people are talking, telling, him, talking about him today, the way they're talking about him, but this kind of work is absolutely essential, and he's it, been non-existent this season, and he's been, pff, I I I won't use the word that I'm thinking of, but he's been an extreme, <laughs> extremely extremely. Uh, uh, well, whatever. It's been a very big disappointment to sure. that way, and uh, I, I, I don't think that uh, any any uh, Arsenal observer, uh, I'm not even saying fan, uh, would uh, would disagree if uh, the club decided to sell him for the kind of money that was offered for him last year. Mm. And that actually might might uh, might free uh, might, might might enable Wenger to to do something about about rebuilding the team. Uh, in, in, you know, in, in the interseason um, it's, it's, it's really tricky because on one hand you feel you've got to defend Arsene Dunga for what he's done because regardless of the disappointments many people have suffered over the past you know, few weeks let's remember in which state the team was two years ago after um, Thierry Henry had left and people thought they going to finish sixth in the league which wasn't the case, was it? And then at the beginning of the season, when you know, it started pretty badly, actually it started awfully with these five defeats before November, mm. and you thought the season is over, well, the season was not over. So there, there have been positives. Uh, there have been players who've, who've come through. Uh, they, there have been also wrong choices. Mm. Uh, I, I still think that um, just throwing away uh, the semi-final against Chelsea in the FA Cup was a very, 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 very big mistake. I don't know how you feel about that, but I remember I was at Wembley when I received the team sheet and I couldn't believe my eyes. No, I I thinking, think
1: I think everybody was the same, yeah.
2: I couldn't believe it. I, I, I thought, this is crazy, this is crazy. Um, this is the biggest chance of a trophy the club has got this season. There's no doubt about that. Mm. You're choosing a team, which is, you know, a decent team, But you're without your your best player. Uh, You leave your best midfielder out. Why is that? I don't understand. And then what was very interesting is that after the game, um, and I think he spoke about that again yesterday, Arsene mentioned that one of the reasons that he has to have a good look at himself and what he's done this year are the performances against Manchester United and against Chelsea. And I was thinking this is really strange because... What kind of message do you give your players when you send them out in the semifinal of a a big trophy and you actually make them play without the man who's been their talisman, who's been the instrument of their rebirth in the league? Mm. What kind of message are you sending? Is it the message you're strong enough without him to do something or is it, this game actually doesn't really matter that much. I'm more interested in third place in the in the league, which I think we can get, and which will, you know, which means that we won't have to go through the preliminary round of the Champions League, where we could meet some pretty nasty clubs. But, but surely he uh, must
1: have he must have that day, and I, I disagreed entirely with his team choice. I thought he should have picked Arshavin, but surely he sent out a team that he thought could win the game. Probably, bit, yeah. but,
2: but that's the thing is that what you must question is the judgment he placed, he put mm. on the, on, in the team. You know, uh, it's a big thing to say because, you know, Arsene Wenger knows far, of, far more about football than you, I, and every person listening to the Askcast does. But on the other hand, it doesn't mean you can't make mistakes that, that are absolutely obvious to, to all of us. Mm. Those are points where you, you are so caught in your own vision of what the club should be, and when your decisions, in a way, becomes, becomes, your decisions become means to justify the choices you make. Mm. If you see what I mean. You have a vision of what a club should be like, and it's a very noble, very beautiful vision. And every step you, you take is actually meant to justify and, and, and to prove that you are right. And sometimes... You're plainly wrong, but you carry on doing the same thing because the vision is really beautiful. You're blinkered. And it's something that I think has been a major criticism of Arsene over the years is the fact that there is nobody who can, no sounding board, so to speak, no assistant. Compare, for example, Alex Ferguson at Manchester United has always had assistants whom, who could actually, if not challenge helping to refresh his vision of things. Which is, you know, and it was people like Brian Kidd, it was people like Steve McLaren, who's actually a bloody good coach, even if he's not a great manager, but a bloody good coach. Carlos Kairos, who certainly was instrumental in, in recreating the, the new Manchester United, which we see now. All these people have, have played a huge role in, in, in making this club extremely big. Now, at Arsenal, the situation has been that Elson has been working with the same team for a very, very, very long time, and uh, I'm not sure that anyone in that team is necessarily, even though they're perfectly well qualified, no doubt about that, but is in a position where they can, they have the authority to question sometimes the manager's choice, mm-hmm. and and to help him see his own role in different light, and and therefore progress, and and that is something maybe. Arsen needs a new assistant. Maybe the most important signing for Arsene Wenger wouldn't be players. We've got some wonderful players in this club, but it would be actually somebody who would help him refresh his own vision of things and 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 take some of the of the load of him, but also be there, you know, the good cop, bad cop, so to speak. Be there to to, to contradict him from time to time, mm-hmm. if that was the case. And David Ginola's gone. Who, who was the full thing that role for a while. So there is really nobody. At the moment, who is helping Arsene redefine this vision? And I, I hope it stays true to, to this vision of of, of beautiful football and, and flowing football and trusting youth and and all these wonderful things which have made you know Arsenal a, a, a club that is loved all o- all over the place, all over the world. But on the other hand, we need something else, and 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 it, it's it's fairly clear that. There is a lack of authority. There is a lack of moral fiber. I mean, Andrew, the number of times Arsenal has been talking about the mental strength of these players mm. this year. Yeah. Now, put yourself back at the Emirates against Manchester United. OK, Kieran Gibbs slips and Panji soon scores his first goal. The situation of Arsenal at this point in the tie is certainly no worse, Is actually better than the situation of Liverpool when they arrived at Stamford Bridge having been beaten 3-1 at Anfield. What I saw at Stamford Bridge when Liverpool played there was a team that thought, we don't care, we're going to go through, we're going to fight for absolutely everything. And did I get this feeling at the Emirates when Pagetson scored? No, I thought, that's it, that's over, finished. Do you think, and I mean, the fact that I felt that, and I think probably 60,000 people felt like they, shows that there is something which is lacking, missing, at the very heart of the team.
1: Is is that down to, I mean, Arsene's uh, hugely supportive in public of the team, and talks about the mental strength, and talks about, the. Yeah. you know, do you think that's m- maybe more to convince himself than the players? Because um, I know what he's trying to do, and boost their confidence, and, and make them believe, yes. et, cetera, et cetera. but you know, if he repeats it often enough himself, then it becomes it becomes true, even though we, we've we seen evidence to the contrary.
2: They, 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 there are moments this season, to be fair to him, where they have shown this kind of mental strength. I, I was very impressed with, you know, at Roma, despite playing not very well, and the way they behaved in the penalty shootout, which is, you know, a real test of mental strength. Sure. They were They were fantastic. There were other occasions during the season where they showed capacity to come back uh, to fight back, and they did. But so I, I'm i trying to be the devil's advocate this time. Yeah. But to be honest, I would have to agree with you. I think there's an awful lot of um, of Arsene's communication yeah. with the media. He uses them as uh, as a means to pass on a message to his players. When he says my team has got uh, incredible mental strength and so forth, he wants his players to read it to read that in the press in, in the paper the next morning. It's, it's fairly obvious. He's not just trying to convince himself that he's right and he's not trying to paint himself a a picture that is rosy. I think he's really trying to... to, He's using that communication, media, as a means to reinforce his team. But the message has sounded hollow at times and it has never sounded as hollow as it did um, on that particular evening Mm. because it was obvious that... There was some there was design in the team, we saw it for seven minutes, but there was also an obvious lack of organization as well. One thing I noticed when Manchester United and I'm I'm really sorry to 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 hit the nail on the head like that, when Manchester United had the ball and for example the Rooney or a Park or a Fletcher was passing the ball into space, which is, you know, uh, every, anybody who played football knows, knows that you, you do two things when you pass the ball. You either pass it to somebody you see, and you know, or you pass it into a space where you expect one of your partner's teammates to be. Every time Manchester United bid that, somebody was there to pick up the pass. Every time an Arsenal player was doing the same thing, passing into a channel, passing in space where somebody should be there, what you could see were... A couple of players looking looking at each other, wondering, oh, 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 should I be there? Should I not be there? There was such a lack of spatial organization. It was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. It was really embarrassing. And uh, this lack of communication is all the more embarrassing that this team has actually been together, even though they're very young. These guys have been together for a very long time. If you look at it, Andrew, you know, it's the same thing. They're very young, but this group of players has been together for several seasons, they're not newcomers. They're not yeah. discovering each other. They've, they've played together in the reserves, in the youth teams, in the Carling Cup, in the FA Cup, and in then Premier League, and then the Champions League. And, and there is a lack of tactical organization, uh, which is a little bit worrying, uh, and which is exposed when suddenly you are playing against a team of the caliber of Manchester United. And let's repeat that. This is a team of the highest, highest caliber, the best team in the world, full stop. So you could expect to be to be found out in some areas, but to be found out to such an embarrassing degree uh, is, is something quite different. Mm. And uh, there, there, there are issues as well which are not solved, such as the responsibilities and positions of some key players. Um, I don't know what your opinion was of was of Justin Fabregas, but he tried hard, I think, on that particular night. But I don't think he had a very clear idea where he should position himself. Mm. Uh, Robin Van Persie had no clue as to where he should put himself. Should he be an extra midfielder? Should he place himself on the right? Should he be a shadow striker? He didn't know. Well, the fact that Adebayo hardly did anything, uh, didn't help anybody. Samia Nasri, at some point, was playing deep uh, as from memory, because that's the role he'd been playing against Liverpool, for example, and, and with, 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 I think, great success. I think he's got a real future in this kind of holding, uh, uh midfielder role but it was also sometimes on the left, uh, drifting back in, not knowing really where to go. Um, people were not covering space for each other. It was, it was really haphazard. And as long as, the, as the, 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 the score was nil-nil, because of the energy, because of the desire to go forward, which was obvious and real, you know, it worked okay. But as soon as the, the goal was scored you could see that there was total disorganization in the team. Total. And, um, which really worried me. And I, after eight minutes, to be honest, and I think that many people will feel the same way, um, in a way, I didn't feel, um, saddened or depressed by this game. I felt just a huge, um, it's not it's even not even disappointment. It's like, it hadn't happened i, I don 't know
1: how you felt about it, but it's, it's just uh, it wasn't unexpected, was it because I think
2: um, no it's uh, but, but it's the mood i mean it's extraordinary you know after thirty after thirty minutes, there were people leaving the ground yeah, could you believe that yeah, yeah, and yeah. the atmosphere before kickoff was it was astonishing and and during the first five minutes it was astonishing, and then so people just realized well, there's no way we're going to win this, and yeah. that. that's that there's no way and and uh, it's it's that it, it, that that is why many people I've talked to told me, actually I felt much sadder. I would feel much sadder if we'd gone to the wire and we'd lost, we'd won two one and lost on the away goals yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. I'd be really gutted. But I don't feel gutted. I feel really empty instead.
1: Sure. Philippe, we better leave it there. It's been, uh, it's been fascinating. We could probably go on for, for much longer, but, uh, uh, I'm not sure I've got that much space on my hard drive to record it all. <laughs> but listen, thank you very much for, for taking the time and, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. I told you it was in depth, didn't I? Sure did. Thank you very much to Philippe for taking the time, uh, to talk to the RScast and as soon as I can, uh, afford a big enough hard drive, we'll, we'll have him right back on. Still to come, we'll be talking about the Chelsea game coming up on Sunday. As well as that, we'll be talking about Nicholas Bentner's pants, I suppose. Uh, We'll get team news and all that kind of stuff. But
3: now, this. Now it's time to be at home with Emmanuel Eboué. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my home. I am Eboué. Eboué like pants. Top three Eboué pants. Number 1. Cargo Pants Ebue once used cargo pants to transport 400 tons of industrial solvent down Suez Canal. Number 2. Dungarees One day Abue hoped to go to Australia to see dungarees hopping around in wild. Number 3 Abue Pants Hot Pants because a boy have ass like Kylie. Kylie O'Toole, 20-stone factory worker from Wexford. But Kylie nonetheless. Are oh, you gone now? Tune in next week for more At Home with a boy, Oh, baby.
1: And speaking of pants, um, after the... The game against Manchester United on Tuesday. Some of the boys went out. Well, we don't know which of them went out. We know Nicholas Bentner did because he was photographed coming out of a nightclub with his pants falling down. Which is... um I don't know quite how that happens. He must have been really, really quite drunk indeed because i I generally know when my pants are down or not. Like, seven times out of ten, I know. So he was trying to hide his face and... In, Uh, while doing so, was giving uh, the footballing world, the footballing paparazzi, um, a good shot of his um, underwear. And it's a good job that he isn't like Lindsay Lohan or one of those people, flashing his bits, not wearing underwear, for, for what? There's a good reason for underwear. Thankfully, Nicholas wore his. And uh, then released a statement, of course, on Arsenal.com saying he let everyone down and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, he's a young guy. He went out and had a couple of drinks, maybe a couple more, then a few shots, some Jaegers, a few tequilas, mojito or two, caipirinha, Bloody Mary. Who knows? Maybe all of them in one glass. Because that would explain the whole pans falling down and not knowing. Uh, but, you know, young guys go out and ...do have drinks every now and again. I don't think it's the end of the world. He's probably just very disappointed. I have to say, I I had a couple of drinks myself on Tuesday night... ...to ease the pain. Don't see why Bentner should be any different. And, uh, yeah. But someone needs, obviously, to tell him... ...you know, you can't do that kind of stuff in public. Or you shouldn't get photographed if you're going to do it. You know, there's a time and a place and there are ways and means in which to, to have your fun. And it's uh, at times like this, when an incident such as this comes to pass, that one can't help be reminded of something that a great man once said back in the 1980s. Even to this day, I think his advice rings true, and it's something that maybe Nicholas should take heed of. Isn't that right, Germain? <laughs> And frankly, anyone who can't learn from Jermaine Stewart, well, they just can't be helped. Just can't be helped. The man was visionary, really, wasn't he? really was. Cherry wine, though, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, uh, Chelsea on Sunday. Um, three games left this season. Motivation uh, for those games amongst fans and players, I'm sure, will be somewhat lower than it might have been. Instead of being uh, games that would take us to a final... In which we needed to keep our form up. Uh, there are three games that don't really mean anything. We can't possibly finish in third if we beat Chelsea, if we beat Manchester United, and if we beat Stoke, and then Chelsea don't win against somebody else along the way. Yeah, so maybe it'll be a good time to play Chelsea after their uh, heartbreaking for them, of course, uh, defeat to Barcelona in the Champions League on sh- on Wednesday night, and they're rather shameless and, um, horrible antics after the game, um, maybe their heads won't be focused. They won't be right. They'll still be full of injustice and bile and bitterness and, well, that may translate into a big performance against Arsenal, or maybe it's just a good time for us to play them and take some revenge for the FA Cup semi-final. Arshavin will be in the squad. Um, the only team news is that he will be uh, back in the squad. It's the same squad that played or was picked for uh, for Tuesday night against United. Uh, Gail Clichy won't play again this season, as we suspected. Uh, no big surprises there. He's going to rest his back injury. Um, and you just have to hope that we can keep our unbeaten run, which is 21 games, we'll keep it going to 24 to the end of the season. And let's um, hit the ground running next season we got to take our small little glories where we can get them so there you go it has been a rather lengthy arsecast cast at the end of a, a disappointing kind of a week but that's football for you uh, we've been experiencing far too many disappointments of late but without these times the good times won't be half as good because you can think back on these times and go fuck that was crap and this is brilliant Those days will come sooner rather than later, I do hope. Uh, But for now, uh, we'll leave it there because that's uh, far too much listening. Your ears are probably worn out. Um, I will, of course, talk to you all weekend on the blog, all next week on the blog and on next week's Icecast. So until then, take it easy. Cheerio. Bye-bye.
3: Uh, Well, yes, yes, Uh, we have completed all the research into this very subject, and having collated all the data that we've uh, collected down through the years, we put it into the supercomputer, you see, with a program that takes all the variables, and jiggles them around in a very exact way. It's too difficult to explain to the lay person like yourself. And then the results of that data, of course, are cross-checked against many other studies that we've uh, taken part in in other parts of the world, online and in various respected scientific communities. And when you put it all together, the inescapable conclusion uh, that we come to is that Ashley Cole is a little cunt.
0: This holiday season, treat yourself, treat yourself to candy.